Good morning, everyone, and may the Lord bless you on this beautiful day. This morning, I would like to continue with the series that I've had regarding God's refuge and comfort. <clears throat> Excuse me. This morning, I would like to speak to you about the divine comfort, our divine comfort. In the last chapter of the book of Isaiah, chapter 66, in verses 12 and 13, we find the text for today. It says, For thus says the Lord, Behold, I will extend peace to her like a river, and the glory of the Gentiles like a flowing stream. Then you shall feed on her sides, shall you be carried and be dandled on her knees. As, as, as one whom his mother comforts, so I will comfort you and you shall be comforted in Jerusalem. Beautiful and precious words speaking to us about God's comfort. Let us pray before we go on. Our Heavenly Father, we come before your presence this day, thanking you that you are our divine comforter. You are the God of all comfort in whom we can rely and we can run to to receive the comfort that we need, especially, O oh Lord, through these troubled times in which we live. We thank you for your grace and your peace that you administer to us through your comfort and your precious Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. The Bible is emphatically the believer's own book where he finds the laws of God recorded. It is the directory through the dreary desert of life as he is bound for Canaan's fair and happy land where his possessions lie. It is his only book of true and solid comfort, revealing the precious promises and gracious declarations of his heavenly Father. Yes, in the Bible there is an abundance of consolation for the believing soul. The text is a blessed example of what God is to his people and what he is disposed to do for them. I will read it one more time, just verse 13. As one whom his mother comforts, so I will comfort you, and you shall be comforted in Jerusalem. First we see the divine source of comfort. The Lord is the speaker in the passage before us. He alone can comfort Zion. He is the God of all comfort. In the New Testament, we read these words, Blessed be the Lord God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort who comforts us in all our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. What a marvelous portion of Scripture. How soothing and indeed how comforting for our hearts as we read them. Also, we're told, this time by James, that every good and perfect gift 
comes from above. And it comes down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. In James 1, verse 17. And if a believer's comfort is from God, this comfort will be distinguished, first of all, by its superior, superior excellence. All God's works and gifts are perfect. The comfort he imparts is pure, without mixture. It is solid and not just ideal. And it is always suitable to the state and the circumstances of its subject. Now, the, the, uh, God's comfort for the believer, it's distinguished not only by its superior excellence, but it's distinguished also for its sufficiency. It is enough to meet all the need of the soul, to satisfy all the desires of the heart, to banish every cloud and annihilate every fear. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us, says the Apostle Paul in Ephesians 3.20. He is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. We cannot imagine the depths of God's comfort until we experience it in our lives. So we see that it is distinguished for its superior excellence and also for its sufficiency. And it's also distinguished for its certainty. I will comfort you is God's own declaration. He cannot alter it. He cannot lose ability. He cannot forget. Nothing can frustrate his plans. His word is more stable and firm than the ancient hills, for these will be removed, but his declaration of comfort abides forever and ever. So we see that his comfort is distinguished, first of all, as we said, by its superior excellence. Secondly, it is distinguished for its sufficiency. Thirdly, it is distinguished because of its certainty. And fourthly, for its perpetuity. That means it will always be there. He will comfort his children in all places, at all times, in every change of life. He carries the young and tender lambs in his bosom and leads those that are with young. He is with his people to bear them to old age. He is with them in the afflictions to comfort them even when they pass through the valley of the shadow of death. He receives them in heaven and wipes away all the tears from their eyes. That's why the psalmist, in this case, King David, could say, Yeah, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. These words have always struck me as interesting as well as true, of course. David doesn't say here, 
though I walk through the valley of death, but through the valley of the shadow of death. When we put our trust in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, He is the resurrection and the life. And He promises that everyone who believes in Him shall never die, and if He were dead, yet shall He live. So, when the believer leaves this world, he falls asleep. And he only walks through the shadow of the valley of death, because death has no hold on the believer because he is in Christ's hand. That in itself is a tremendous comfort for every believer. We see also that in Isaiah, the Lord says, When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned nor shall the flame scorch you, for I am the Lord your God. How solemn. None of these things will touch you simply because I am the Lord your God. He is the one who promised this, and his word is powerful, and he is omnipotent. I am the Lord your God. In other words, remember Who's saying this to you? I am saying this to you. I am the Lord your God. And because I am the Lord your God, even if you pass through deep waters or if you go through fire, you shall not be harmed in any way at all. Now, I know that through this life we go through a lot of tribulations and trials, but the Lord in heaven will comfort all his children. Who suffered down here. For we are told in the book of Revelation, the last book of the Bible, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. In Revelation 7, 17. Isn't that wonderful? I remember my mother as a little tot, a little child, many times wiping my tears, comforting me like nobody else could. And that gives me a wonderful illustration of what the Lord is telling us here. He will wipe every tear from our eyes. In other words, he will comfort us when we are in his bosom in heaven. Secondly, we see the peculiar manner of divine comfort. It says, as a mother comforts her children, so I will comfort you. Now, Undoubtedly, strangers have often proved comforters. And also it is the part of friends to administer comfort as well. A brother's heart should abound in this. Brother should comfort brother. Sister should comfort sister. Siblings should comfort siblings. Also, a father's soul is expected to have it as well. A father must comfort his children. But it is in the bosom of the mother that this comfort reigns triumphant over every feeling. It is here that it overflows all boundaries as a river of spring. And so God will comfort his children as a mother comforts her own. 
How will he comfort us? What way? What manner? First of all, he will comfort us with all the affection of a mother. Not only he will comfort us, but he does comfort us today with all the affection of a mother. But even a mother's affection many times is too weak to express the love of God to his people. In the book of Jeremiah, we read these wonderful words. The Lord has appeared of old to me, saying, Yes, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness, I have drawn you. Jeremiah 31 and verse 3. Then in the book of Isaiah, we have this very interesting question. It says, Can a woman forget her nursing child? And not have compassion on the son of her womb? That is almost unthinkable. It happens sometimes, but for the most for the most part, it doesn't. But the Lord says here, surely they may forget. Yet I will not forget you. What he's saying here is that even if a mother forgets her, her nursing child, I will not forget you. My children, Isaiah 49 and verse 15. So we see the peculiar manner of divine comfort. First of all, he does it with all the affection of a mother. Secondly, with all the care and attention of a mother. And what an amount this presses upon a mother's heart. What needs to supply, what watching, care, and help. Yet all this fails short of that care which numbers all his people's hairs and bottles all their tears, and whose eyes are never taken away from the objects of his love. That's why we read again in the Psalms, You number my wanderings, put my tears into your bottle. Are they not in your book? Psalm 56 and verse 8. And the Lord himself said while here on the earth, but the very hairs of your head are all numbered in Matthew 10.30. In other words, God knows all things and he will do whatever is necessary for his children. That thought alone again is enough to comfort us. We see also that the manner in which he comforts is with all condescension, all the condescension and the sacrifices of a mother. How many times mothers sacrifice even the, their own food, their own sleep, to be able to comfort their children, to provide for them what they need, especially when they are distressed. How the Lord has condescended visit and to exalt his people. What arrangements he has made for their security. What a price he paid for their ransom. He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? 
we are told in Romans 8.32. Think of that. He did not spare his own son, his most beloved son, the only son, his only begotten son. He delivered him up for us all. He sacrificed them on a cruel cross for you and me. Now, if he did that already, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? If he already sacrificed his most precious possession, what is it to him to give us everything else that we need? He delivered the Lord to the deepest humiliation, to the deepest pain and the most horrible death that we, you and I, might receive the adoption of children. Now, if that doesn't speak volumes about the love of God, I don't know what will. And also, we see the manner includes that he does it with all the forbearance of a mother. How quick to caress, to soothe, and to bless. How slow to punish. Mothers many times spare the rod because they love their children. They're quick, though, to caress and to show love and affection. To bless their children. I remember my mother towards the end of her life. Telling me every night as I kissed her goodnight. And I turned the light off, her light off, and walked away. And I would hear her tell me, God bless you, my son. May the Lord always bless you. And I think that is one of the strongest things that can happen to anybody is to have his mother's blessings. And we see the Lord also wants to bless us. How ready is a mother to remove the rod of correction? How many times the Lord has spared us the rod of correction? He has not judged us according to our sins, not according to our iniquities but according to the multitude of his loving kindnesses and tender mercies, which endure forever. For he remembers our frame that it is but dust. And he shows us his mercy. As high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his mercy toward those who love him and keep his commandments. As a father pities his children, so the Lord pities his own children. Remember that he does all that with the forbearance, all the forbearance of a mother. Now, thirdly, we see the specified place of comfort. Jerusalem was typical of the true church. God can comfort in all places, to be sure, and will do so. But he most specifically sheds abroad his consolation on his spiritual Zion, as he will one day do in physical Zion. This is true if you consider that in the church there are, first of all, the messengers of comfort. The Lord commands his messengers to comfort his people. In Isaiah 40, verse 1 says, Comfort, yes, comfort my people, says your God. And I realize that he's saying this to Israel, and it applies 
to Israel. But also the Lord tells us in the New Testament that all these things, all the scriptures were written for our admonition. We can apply them in our lives because God wants to come for his church as well as Israel. Secondly, we see not only the messengers of comfort in the church, but the ordinances of comfort. In the church, we have the reading and the preaching and the teaching of the divine word. We have prayer. We have singing. We sing songs of joy. We sing, we see and hear whether the gospel preached, the gospel of salvation. We observe the Lord's Supper. We distribute the Lord's Supper. We baptize those who confess the Lord Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And we see that in the church also brotherly love is manifested. So we see those are the ordinances of comfort. And we see the friends of comfort. People whose delight and duty is to comfort and edify one another. Now, some people have this very particular gift of comfort or consolation. And they've been equipped by the Holy Spirit with that special gift. But in reality, all of believers, all believers, we are commanded to comfort one another. It says in the book of Proverbs, chapter 27 and verse 17, As iron sharpens iron, so a man sharpens the countenance or the face of his friend. Then in Ecclesiastes 4, 9, and 10, we're told two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, one will lift up his companion. And this is talking about friendship. Friends encourage one another. When one is down, the other one picks him up and then vice versa. So comfort is wonderful. It comes from friends many times. But we also see the spirit of comfort. It is the Holy Spirit's holy and delightful work. To fill the hearts of God's children with peace and joy through believing and obeying. As we read in the book of Galatians, the fruit, the fruit of the Spirit is first of all love. Then it says is joy and then it's peace and then a whole uh, bunch of other things. Uh, but love, peace and joy are given to us through the Holy Spirit and by the Holy Spirit. So we see here the Lord is our great comforted. What is the conclusion of all this that I have been saying? The conclusion is that we as children of God are the subjects of his divine comfort, who bear his likeness and possess his spirit. There is no peace to the wicked. The Bible tells us that the wicked are like the waves of the sea, always rolling, never resting. And we can see that in our times. There's so much unrest, and there's so much violence going on, and things that ought not to be happening in a 
supposedly civilized society, but they are happening because the basis of all things, it's tragic because all these things are underlined by one thing, sin. Sin is the problem here. It is not one people or another. It is not one political party or another. It is not um, one country or another. It is not one gender or another. The problem here is sin. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That is an absolute statement. And so we see that we are suffering in this world things that are going on that are not to be happening because man is sinful. But those who come to, to the Lord, to Jesus, in faith, confessing their sin and trusting him as their Lord and Savior, become children of God by adoption through the Holy Spirit. And therefore, now, even though there is no peace to the wicked and there's no joy and no real comfort, we have true comfort because true comfort proceeds only from God. He's the only one that can give us real comfort, true comfort. It is not in the creature. It is not in sin. It is not in the world. These are all broken cisterns. It is not in the, cre in the creature. True comfort is in the creator. He is the one who gives us true comfort. And we find that comfort in the Lord's true church, where his word reigns supreme, where his Holy Spirit reigns supreme. How sweet it is the fellowship in the Lord's church. How numerous and precious the promises that are given to us. If you today are unhappy, I invite you to come to God through his son, that you may establish, or I should say that you may establish in your heart that kingdom which is righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. That is the kingdom of God. Righteousness, peace, and joy. Look what is happening in the world today. How much unrighteousness, how much unrest, and how much unhappiness. Why? Because man has turned his back on God. But those of us who have turned to the Lord, we belong to his kingdom. And that kingdom is characterized by righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. May those things abound in your life, in your home, in your family. And may you put him always first in your life, remembering that he is the God of all comfort. May the Lord bless you. Bless your family, bless your home, and may the Lord enable us all to be able to see each other again soon. 
Until then, we thank him for his grace, for his love, for his mercy. In Jesus' name, amen.